Hi, this is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I serve as the interim site pastor at Urban Village Church, Edgewater. Urban Village Church does bold, inclusive, and relevant ministry for people who were traumatized by church, people who feel overchurched, and even the non-churched folks. If you identify with any of these signifiers, we're so glad you're listening. Would you consider helping us continue this Jesus-loving ministry in and across Chicago and over the internet? You can make a generous recurring gift by going to our website, urbanvillagechurch.org backslash give. And thanks for helping us with your ears, actions, and dollars to build up God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And now, here's the latest sermon. I'm Mike, and I'm going to do your uh, reading today. You can follow along on screen. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. Happy is the mortal who does this, the one who holds it fast, who holds the Sabbath, not profaning it, and refrains from doing evil. Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Thus says the Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. I read unto you Isaiah 56. One through eight. May the Lord have a a blessing on the reading of his word. Oh, good morning. Welcome. My name is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I currently serve as the interim site pastor here at Urban Village Church, and I am so glad you are here this morning. Will you pray with me? God, who's sees those on the edges of community who says, open this circle wider, let more in. God, we pray that we would be a community that continually has our head on a swivel, looking for those who need more inclusion, who need more welcome, who need the reminder that they are so dearly loved. God, give us courage, eyes to see, ears to hear, and open hearts to receive and welcome others. 
It is in the name of the one who taught us these things, our brother and friend Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Isaiah, the book, is actually broken up into several different sections. Scholars believe that the people wrote it at different points of their history. It wasn't all compiled by one person named Isaiah and then gifted to us as uh, one whole book, but that over a long period of time, over generations, people compiled their stories, things that gave them courage in the middle of the night, and then gave us this book as a reminder of how God works through not only one night, but through generations of time. And just a reminder of what was going on when Isaiah was being composed, an outside fierce army, the Babylonians, had decimated the holy city of Jerusalem, including the place of worship, the temple, the place where the people of God believed that God's spirit resided, the place where they felt they could come most in touch with the God who loved them so dearly. Everything had been burnt to the ground. Then some of the people were enslaved, carried off to a distant land, a foreign land where they were forced to provide labor in an inhumane country. And while in slavery in that land, a land that did not claim them as their own, the people decided, we will continue to worship our God. Even though we know the place where God's spirit resided had burnt to the ground, we will continue to uplift God's holy name because we believe God has gone with us into this place of enslavement. So they prayed, they fasted, and then what we believe is they wrote down these stories for us so that they could remember the stories of God that could give them fuel and fire in the middle of the night, but also stories of God that they would give to us, these later generations, reminding us that God goes with us in the wilderness, in enslavement, and in times of fear. And so this is the heritage of our faith. The Babylonians were then defeated by an outside army. The Persian king decided, let the people go and release the captives, but only in like waves over generations of time. And so what we believe Isaiah tells us is over generations of time, people made this long journey through the desert back to a land they called home, but some of them had never seen before because some of those generations had died in enslavement. Those ones who had told them what God's spirit had looked like in the temple. And so they made their journey back uh, to the place, not where they were born and raised, but a place they had never seen before. And upon returning, they decided to rebuild the temple, to continue to follow God's laws of love and inclusion. And so we read from that section of Isaiah this morning. Uh, it's meant to encourage the people in their new way of life in this kind of new oldish place, but everything's not perfect in this place. The immigrant, the foreigner, the stranger, those people are not being included in God's community because in their defense, the people of God are way too busy trying to rebuild and maintain the traditions that were stolen for them, those that were burned in the fires of destruction. So they couldn't wel offer welcome and maintain their traditions. It, be it becomes too hard to include the different when you're just trying to maintain your own identity. They feared challenge of questions and adaptation and growing increasingly welcoming. In addition, the people of God struggled to include the eunuchs, which we have learned in the past several weeks is an umbrella term for the gender variant, those who don't conform to the arbitrary expectations of gender presentation. And God says, to those who have different gender presentations and expressions, they call our community dried up, 
outdated and useless. The outsiders of the community of God, those who were not born Jewish by, by bloodline, but decided to follow God in their life, or those with different bodies and gender identities were grieving. Does God even notice us? We've decided to follow this God. We've heard of the whispers of God's spirit that rested in this temple before. We have committed ourselves to following this God and these people. But it is so hard to be a follower of God when you don't look like everyone else. So because of their difference, they were limited to their access to God. As they continued to rebuild the temple, they decided to section off. It had always been this way, actually, but they sectioned off spaces that people could get closer into the community of God. And those with different body presentations had to stand on the outskirts of the temple, uh, being prevented from getting even closer to God's spirit. The access to God and within the community of people of God was limited to only the certain few who had the right kind of body. So God, this parental figure, decides to come down from God's throne and do a little bit of God-like schooling to the people of God, a little hand-smacking and a little throwing around of words. God says through the prophet Isaiah in 56, they call me a dry tree because it appears that I don't bear fruit for the foreign, for the gender variant, and the gender ambiguous. It makes sense that they believe I am a dry fig. For the eunuchs and the gender variant and the gender ambiguous, for those who follow and trust me in my kingdom, I will actually give them an everlasting name, one that is better than son or daughter. They are children of God. What humans cannot include I will include and save you a place in my kingdom, God says. God doesn't say, we should note, God doesn't say in this passage, you have to reject who you are and where you're from in order to be in this kingdom. No, 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 God doesn't say, we should note, I will change you and make you a son or daughter so that your genitalia or your body or the way you present yourselves identifies with something I'm comfortable with. No, God doesn't say. Instead, God says, you are beloved and beautiful as you are, and I will celebrate you in ways that others cannot. God promises space and place for those with different gender identities than simply those who identify as male and female. Because in ancient Near Eastern culture, what the idea of eunuch meant was someone who was either forcibly transformed by their body in order to perform rituals, someone who was born different and they couldn't quite figure out who they were or how they would identify, someone who was born different and they believed we should wait and see how they present, who they will present to us as they grow throughout their life. And so God promises space by including these eunuchs, these people of different gender identities, including, that includes transgender, gender fluid, gender queer, gender still figuring it out. That includes those without the right papers and those with papers that don't fully reflect the truth of who they are. That includes those with a fear of showing their license or identification at every bar or grocery store or traffic stop. God says, your identification to get into this club, which is AK, the kingdom of God club, it is simply your beloved face. Your enduring name is already on this list. Come in here. Pray and worship and feast. And when you dip, we dip, we all dip because this is the house for all the people of God. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about a lot about God's demand for inclusion and uh, who God's people want to differentiate from and how God regularly and loudly shouts down at us to say, these are my people. 
But what does it mean to be a community who seeks to follow God in this manner? How do we regularly and loudly recenter our focus to say, not only are you, beloved child of God, a part of this community, but we will prioritize what you need. We will shift our focus away from the things that we normally think about, the things that are just our default brains around gender, and we will center you in our community as well. How will you and I, church, be like Philip, that early church follower of God who then was whisked away, chasing down those who believed that the church dismissed them only to say, yeah, I guess there's some water here. We will baptize you too. How will we continue to bend our brains and our practices and our expectations to say, yes, yes, a thousand times, yes, you are welcome here. Let us prove it to you. Does it include changing our bathrooms to say all people bathrooms? Because one time I went to a place that had all people bathrooms and even then I got a little confused when I walked in and there was someone male identified. It kind of freaks us out. Change is big and different, but it is a thing we wrestle with. Does it include worship? Worship in drag? Worship in fabulousness? Does it include putting our bodies on the line for fuller inclusion of our siblings of Christ? How do we become a community that is fruitful? a community that multiplies this message of God in this house and that the house of God is celebrated here. Because, church, being fruitful and multiplying the number of children is actually not a prerequisite of what it means to be a child of God. Being fruitful means investing in each other. Multiplying means sharing our lives and getting mixed up together, multiplying the blessings of God we see in one another and reflecting that back to each other. Being fruitful and multiplying does not have anything to do with our biological ability to give birth because some of us don't have that biological ability and some of us don't even want to do it. Having children is not a sign of God's blessing upon us as a community, as a family, or as people of God. And procreation is not a promise of being remembered from generation to generation. That's why God believes that the eunuch will be included, this umbrella term of whomever, however their body is identified and how they choose to present it, is welcome and will continue to multiply the kingdom of God. The promise of God is endurance in God's kingdom, a remembrance of faithfulness because one belongs in the beloved community of deep love of of enduring mercy and of ever-expanding justice. So being welcomed, but also being remembered is an everlasting part of God's creation. It is a gift we offer to one another in community. That is community, is the remembrance. What we do, these people, these four parents of our faith who offered this text to us, we remember them every week when we gather to read the words that they wrote and shared with us that they decided were so precious that we needed to know how they understood God in their place and time. Remembrance is what we've been doing all month as we remember Black History Month throughout. As we come, each week I've brought you a new person that we should remember, maybe someone you had heard of before, maybe someone who is new to introduce to you, but we've been celebrating specifically Black queer history 
because these are beloved children of God who should not be forgotten. Just like we celebrated Gladys Bentley, you remember her, the performer who challenged people to consider her gender difference and their assumptions about who she was and presented, even though she was a black lesbian person dressed in a tuxedo. We remember Marsha P. Johnson, the poor black transgender woman who refused further persecution at the Stonewall Inn, but instead decided to throw a shot glass that was heard around the world and start a revolution of gay liberation. We remember Willie Ninja, the dancer and choreographer and artist and athlete who taught us how to vogue, but also taught us how to strut our stuff and snap our things and be proud of the beautiful bodies and representations of God in creation. That's why we celebrate all kinds of people like Audre Lorde, the black lesbian mother poet, warrior poet, who taught us the courage of word and body and celebration of difference. That's why we celebrate Bayard Rustin, the organizer of the civil rights movement and the right-hand man of Martin Luther King, but the one who you've probably never heard of because he was later pushed out of the movement because leaders thought they feared homosexuality would detract from the movement of civil rights. That's why we remember Langston Hughes, and James Baldwin, but it's also, there are so many other names that we do not know, of people that we do not have a memory of, but whom God remembers. Those who were beaten and bruised in the crucible of life because they loved someone of the same gender, because their body was different than what people expected, because they wore clothes that were too masculine, because they acted too feminine, because they gave zero fudgesicles about being masculine or feminine at all. There are those who withered away and died of AIDS without the relief of human touch because, they were because others feared of contracting the disease. We remember those, those whose names we cannot, you know, who we, those names of whom we don't even know yet because they have yet to enter our midst. But those whom we expect God is already celebrating in God's kingdom. And so we know that it is a space here in this community where we wrap our arms around each other. When we decide to get our lives mixed up with one another, which is just what we call church, when we decide to know one another's story a little bit better and to pray for one another, we wrap our arms around each other and we hold each other up because the presence of God is kind of unnerving and our knees go a little weak. And so together we lift each other up in our weary bodies and our cracking voices and we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And holy, 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 as we press our cheeks together and our tears get all mixed up and mingled on our faces because this is the community of God remembering one another. That's why we don't have a fear of whether we procreate or whether God cares if we procreate because we know that it's the Olivers of our community and the Esmes and the Rosas and the Jonases and the Cablebs, all those little babies you see crawling around trying to get up on the table of God. Those babies will carry your memory into the future because they know you have invested in them. It does not matter if they are your children, but you are a part of their memory of what God's love looks like. That's why when we sit here and we share of the bread and the cup together, we look each other in the eye and we say, it is for you because that is a remembrance that we are a part of each other's lives, that God's image is seen in each other's beautiful face, whether it looks a little too feminine, a little too masculine, or just however the hell it looks. And so we remember those four parents of faith who have gone before us, who bravely fought so that we could stand here today and courageously love one another as best as we can. Will you pray with me?
God, you celebrate all peoples. Welcoming more and more into your space. Gathering us in close to understand that you, God, are ever so close to us now. And so we ask, God, that you continue to help remind us of those who have gone before us that taught us that being queer is beautiful and in the image of God. That you, God, so love us. God, give us the courage to reflect that love to others. Ever growing your community. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.